Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. Well, the Cowboys survived the Giants 37-34, but, KD, it's hard to shake that sickening feeling of seeing the injury to Dak Prescott, the tears in his eyes leaving the field. I mean, I don't care who you are, what team you root for, if you're watching that game and saw that all play out, it was it was just heavy, man. That's the only word I can come up with. It was it was heavy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not the best of times, and anybody who follows me on Twitter at KD Drummond NFL knows how I tweet, basically live tweet the entire game. I tweet everything that happens. I stopped. Once that happened, it was just no, there was no joy in Mudville at that point when Dak had to get carted off the field. The impact that he has, not just on the fan base, this is the first long time black quarterback that the Cowboys ever had. That's significant. The way that he leads his teammates, you saw the emotion that they had. Everybody on the sideline rushed over to the opposite side of the field just to give him their support and their love when he was being uh, fitted for the air cast and then being carted off. Jason Garrett, his former head coach, was right there next to Mike McCarthy. He was consoling McCarthy based on their previous history. Obviously, Jason Garrett is the coach that brought Dak Prescott into the league. You saw every single media member across the country on Twitter giving their support. Players, current players, former players, former teammates, every single person showed how much Dak Prescott means. And it, like I said, it goes beyond just what he is on the football field. He was having a record-setting pace to what he was going to do. He was going to shatter Peyton Manning's single-season passing record. All of that is irrelevant compared to the man that he is. The way that he's spoken out about mental health and taking care of yourself and the way that he's spoken out recently, how he's found his voice about social issues. Dak Prescott is plain and simply the man. And to see him go down with such an injury. Now, we know that he's had surgery. He had the surgery that night. People would like to think that he's out of the woods, but the concern is, is uh, infection. Sure. When, yeah. the bone, when the bone breaks through the skin, yep. the fear is long-term infection because of all of the dirt and bacteria that can get into it. And they have to be very careful. That's why he was rushed into surgery. You know, foot, people make fun of the term football gods, but peak the scenario of all of this happened. During the one o'clock games, everybody around the NFL was saying the only thing that's going to come out of this weekend of football is how pleased everybody is with watching Alex Smith return to the field. Yeah, the irony Alex there Smith, is unbelievable, right? It's so un- it's unreal. It's it's unbelievable. And then it goes beyond that. The Cowboys are an NFC team. They rarely play on CBS. Of course, they were the game of the weekend who was broadcasting. But the guy that Dak Ro- Prescott replaced with Romo. his own series of yeah. injuries, Tony Romo. Yep, it's They're playing. Yeah, they're they're playing the Giants and Jason Garrett. His coach is on the opposite sideline. So you know you can poo poo all that that you want to about karma and football gods and all of that kind of stuff. But this was kind of like really eerie how all of that happened on the same day to watch this guy go down. So hopefully, you know, he avoids the infection. He's able to get back. They're saying it's like a six to eight month recovery, which should put him in line to be able to do some offseason work 
But yeah, it was just a very sad, sad, sad situation watching him go down like that. I was the same way. I was watching the game and I was just dead silent, just staring at the TV, just, you know, not responding to anything for a little while. It was like, it was so heavy, like I said, that moment. And one of the first things my mind went to is like, man, he's on the tag. He's on the franchise tag, right? I mean, so one thing, so one thing, the good news for Dak Prescott is, first of all, he's going to get world-class medical attention. So we know that. And two... The franchise tag is paying him a fully guaranteed $31 million, $31.4 million. Don't want to leave out the point four. That point four is a lot more than most right. households bring in, right? So he's going to be exactly. okay. Dak's going to be okay. He's going to be okay in the long run. But now the narrative shifts to what Dak's future is, what Dak's future is for him, what the future is for the Cowboys, the quarterback position. And I definitely want to get your take on this, Katie. I know you've been critical of the Cowboys' handling of his contract situation. Now it's really up there on the front burner. Man, if I'm Prescott, I'm almost forcing the Cowboys to put that boosted franchise tag on me again, or I want to test the open market because I think there's no reason for him to sign an extension while he's coming back from this injury, right? I just don't know if that's going to be in his best interest. It almost makes more sense to me to for him to be like, yo, put the boosted franchise tag on me for like, what, $37 million or whatever it's going to be? Put yep. that on me. If not, like Jerry, everybody else, y'all can uh, y'all can negotiate with me, and, and I'll I'll go to the highest bidder in the offseason. Because now, for him to like recoup anywhere close to the money he was going to get or was on pace to get, he's got to go to the open market, right? But what do you think about his future? That's a million dollar question, literally, uh, because <laughs> as you said, if he gets franchise tagged again, it's thirty six point nine million dollars next year. And he can negotiate. The two sides can negotiate again once the regular season ends or once the Cowboys season ends, if they make the playoffs and move forward, whenever that date is. That's when negotiations can start, when their season is over. So you're looking at January, maybe February, when they can start negotiations, but he's not going to be fully healed. Right. And with all of the concerns that there are, and everybody you know, says that if, if there's no infection, this should be the type of injury that he can return 100% to. And it's all well and good for the Cowboys to say, make statements now talking about he's their guy and they are fully committed to him for the future, which saying they've been the right saying. But yep, saying all the right things. Yeah. yeah. But the reality is, if he's not fully healthy when it comes time to negotiate that contract, how do you put that money towards him without some sort of caveat? Now, there's millions of ways that you can build caveats into a contract about his health, outs, guaranteed, fully guaranteed. Uh, if you're not on the roster by this date or if you're, you know, if you're on the roster by this date, this locks in. All of those types of things can come into play. But where does that put him when he's on the opposite side of the negotiating table and they bring up those clauses? Mad that they weren't able to come to an agreement over the previous two seasons or, you know, at that at that point over the previous two seasons. It's going to be a lot. And everybody wants to kumbaya right now and say that the Cowboys will take care of their man and they don't have many choices because they're going to be looked at as the worst type of organization if they don't commit to Dak Prescott long-term at this point, whether it's this year or in the future. People will realize there's a lot of people that believe that the Cowboys, just because of their name, get free agents and people want to sign with them. People want to stay with the organization. But there's been a lot of dent in that armor over the last decade plus. And if the Cowboys don't do right by Dak Prescott, that will speak volumes especially for somebody that everybody believes the Cowboys have been in error, not paying him to this point. So there, there's going to be a lot going on over these next six to eight months, how that happens. I, I do kind of lean towards your line of thinking that it's probably in everybody's best interest for them to franchise tag him again, because the deadline is probably going to be a month or two before he's fully ready to 
dive back into full activity. And you're just not going to know at that point how things are going to go. So you tag them again. You have to prepare. The Cowboys have been preparing for that hit on the salary cap, especially the reduced salary cap. That's another aspect. The salary cap is going down. It might go all the way down to $175 million next year. And they don't have the room to do that. They don't have the room to put the franchise tag on him right now. So this is going to be a domino effect where other players aren't signed, other players are released in order for them to fit Prescott under the salary cap. It's going to be a whole domino effect this injury has caused. And the root of it is the fact that they could have probably signed him for two, for $29 million a year entering last season, and they didn't. Yeah, and go back two years to his rookie deal when they made him play out his rookie contract. Could have done it then. Could yep. have done it then. So, yep. and, you, and I know you've been very vocal. Do you think that's realistic, Katie, really quick before we hit our break here? Is it realistic that the Cowboys give him that tag coming off the injury? So I know it's only one year, but it's still a it's it's still a big big hit. Thirty seven million guaranteed for a guy coming off a, a really uh, you know tough gruesome injury. That's a tough sell. Do you think the Cowboys would do that? I don't think they have a choice. I, I don't. You know, Andy Dalton signed based on being close to his family during this pandemic. That was part of the reason why he wanted to return to Texas and sign the one year deal. Depending on how he plays, that will be a part of it. Uh, the free agent market is what it is, but. If the Cowboys were to abandon Dak Prescott to sign another high-profile quarterback in free agency, they they would lose a large portion of their fan base, a large portion. And I I don't think that's worth the risk for them. So they're kind of tied to this situation. They have to see it through with Dak Prescott. So, yeah, I, I think that unless Prescott is feeling some type of way and just wants to go and try to get some some level of long-term security and, and accept a lesser deal, which I think the Cowboys have to offer if they're going to go into negotiations, I don't see how you offer him $40 million a year yeah. without knowing how good he is moving forward with his ankle. Right. I, I don't see much other choice than the franchise tag for, for 2021. Amazing insight right there. Yeah, the blowback if the Cowboys move on from Dak is just going to be unbelievable from Cowboys Nation. It's going to be heavy. So, it, it, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be carnage. That's a, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a great take. I love that. I agree 100%. So much more in the Dak injury, including uh, in case you missed it, in case you weren't watching and you just learned about it after the fact, I'm going to play the sound from the broadcast. It's super heavy with, uh, with Tony Romo commentating to his former teammate, his former team, uh, Romo. So uh, we're going to play that. We'll do that here. Uh, coming up, we'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week six. Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga Bailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Phillip Rivers, Brett Rippett. Not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch, and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may appear to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers 
receivers have scored a touchdown. And eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. It was actually tight end Herb Smith Jr. and not Rudolph who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. So I go in the break. Dak Prescott's right ankle, right foot, turned sideways. Jones family knowing that this one appears to be severe. And look at uh, Jason Garrett come out. Check in on his former quarterback. You hate for any team in the National Football League to lose their quarterback. And I think the Cowboys and the fans, everybody knows how important Dak you know, is to the success of this team. And we hope he's he's okay and hopefully it's not something that's I mean you have no idea right here you just feel for the individual and his teammates and everybody else and I wish him well Jim so that, that was real time right there the long pauses and stuff you just you just feel the weight of the moment and and as you said earlier Katie the the fact that not only Garrett but Tony Romo was on the broadcast talking about this talking kind of commentating on what's happening he's commentating on a guy he once played with he's commentating on a guy he endorsed as the future quarterback of the Cowboys remember that huge yep. moment in Cowboys yep. history Romo's endorsing Prescott so it's so amazing it, it was so uh, you know amazing in, a, in an awful way it was it was just it, it, your heart's in your stomach and and I listened to Stephen A. Smith the next morning, and he came up with an interesting point. I wanted to get your take on it. You talked about Dak being, you know, one of the first franchise black quarterbacks the Cowboys have had. Uh, Stephen A. was pretty passionate. I'm sure you heard it uh, about he thinks that Tony Romo, if he was still the quarterback, he already would have had this long term deal a long time ago. Do you agree with that commentary? Well, um, that was actually hard to listen to because when the injury happened. I had the TV on. Clearly, I saw it live. I don't remember hearing any of that. I guess I was just in a daze. <laughs> that was that was actually my first time hearing it. I, the, I've the clip watched we just, the, the clip we just played. Yeah, yeah. I, I've watched the game pass uh, of the game, and I, I saw that. And I was on the you know the condensed version, you know, to speed through and watch play by play. And I, that, that was the first time that I actually listened to that commentary. So that kind of took me aback hearing Romo's emotion. You could hear the, the emotion in his, in his voice. Yes, absolutely. For a former teammate, somebody that he had mentored, that, that was tough to listen to. But as for uh, what Stephen A. Smith said, I don't pay much attention to any of the talking heads. <laughs> um, and he's one of them. So I, I, yeah, and he, he is definitely one of them. Um, <laughs> him and his former partner, they, they kind of don't really get a lot of space in my in my area um because i i think they're they're you know uh circus directors basically yep. um but yeah i there there is something to be said about the fact that that romo might have had his long-term deal romo didn't have to wait for his deal romo got extensions before you know his contracts were done they took care of him in a way that put him up there with the upper echelon players of, of the game but the Cowboys situation when it comes to the Dak Prescott contract is a bit confusing. It's not like they don't want him. They just want him under their own terms. Right. And that's kind of the caveat to this entire situation. 
if the Cowboys were saying, we're going to franchise tag you or we're not going to pay you, that's a whole different thing. But the Cowboys were offering him a five-year contract. They just weren't offering him a contract of the length and the guaranteed money that he was looking for. They didn't want to pay him. The last report that we heard was five years with $110 million guaranteed, which wasn't on the level of what Jared Goff or Carson Wentz got. The amount of years that they were offering compared to the amount of guarantee they were offering weren't there. The average annual salary was somewhere up there, but it had been surpassed by newer contracts And Dak Prescott was actually on the verge of signing the Cowboys offer, according to reports that he had uh, basically relented and said, I will sign the five year contract that you're offering. This is on July 15th, the final day that a franchise tag player can sign a long term extension for the season. He said, I'll do it as long as you guys agree not to franchise tag me after the five years is up which basically meant, okay, well, you'll have five years of control. You got the first four years. I'll give you the nine years. But after that nine years, I need to hit free agency. And hopefully we can work out another extension before that and all that. But you guys really cannot keep trying to control all aspects of this. All I'm asking is for a no tag clause. And Jerry Jones refused. And so that's how the timer ran out on the deal. So, again, it's not that they don't want him. They're just not going all the way to giving him what I believe he deserves and what he clearly believes he deserves. And that is a top of the market contract with the ability to renegotiate earlier in the new TV contracts than later. This pandemic is going to shrink the salary cap. We all know what's going to happen. It's going to be down to 175 to 185 million in 2021. There might be some down in 2022, but the new TV contracts hit in 2022. The gambling revenue was going to hit uh, in the next couple of years. The NFL is going to be, be making money hand over fist and players want to get back on that open market sooner rather than later. So the Cowboys have not paid Prescott compared to Goff and Wentz. Entering this season, they had made 70 and $80 million more than Prescott based on their rookie contract and getting their extensions a year earlier than Prescott. He's made up some of that gap with the $31.4 million this year, but he is far behind his draft classmates and players that he is flat out better than. I, you know, Entering the season, there was argument. There's no argument. Dak Prescott is light years ahead of where Carson Wentz is, who's regressing, and Jared Goff could ever dream of being. Agreed. So how do you, how do you sit there and say that you're not going to pay him above and beyond what they make, considering how cheap you had him in his rookie contract and how much he's outplayed them. It doesn't make any sense. So that's the basis. People can't wrap their head around the fact of saying a guy making $1 million a week for 32 weeks is underpaid, but relative to his position, he deserves everything that he's asking for. It's a whole lot more nuanced than saying they would have paid Tony Romo in this situation. There's a whole lot more to unpack in this situation than that. It's interesting when you hit on the franchise tag clause piece, and that's how Brady exited New England. He negotiated that franchise yeah. tag piece, and that was that's what set him up to go to the free market and yep. negotiate with other teams, and, and eventually leave the Patriots. So it's not like that's unprecedented, you know. It's that's that's an interesting. That was really that's really good insight. Really good insight. You look around the league, Katie, and you see Joe Flacco coming in and play. You see Brian Hoyer with the Patriots. You see Jimmy. No, no, I'm sorry. Jimmy G's actually a starter. He's not a backup. He's just playing like a backup. <laughs> There's a lot of backup quarterbacks going into games. The Cowboys they got a pretty good backup, I think. I want to get Katie's take on the Red Rocket taking over in Dallas. We'll get into that here coming up. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. 
Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 6 Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams, minus 3.5 favorites on the road. 49ers, plus 160 underdogs on the money line. A low over-under for this one of 50.5 points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams. And three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what? I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in week five. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington and football team check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from betmgm sportsbook subscribe to bet and podcast be sure to rate and review okay katie andy dalton comes into the football game first of all when they shot over to the sideline i don't know if you remember this they panned over to the sideline it was like his teammates were helping him tuck in his jersey it's like oh boy here we go here comes dalton <laughs> he wasn't ready for this moment you know oh my god this is going to be a loss to the giants you can almost smell it but no no he after the muffed snap he kind of settled down leads the team to two field goal drives a great game winning drive at the end michael gallup helped him out with some unbelievable catches look this is why the cowboys brought in andy dalton right for insurance just in case something happened you know i guess kudos to them because Dak never gets hurt. This is this is not something that we've ever seen happen to Dak. Uh, you know, he never misses right. ball games. But they do bring in Andy Dalton, who is probably the top, you know, backup kind of quarterback on the market. They bring him in, they sign him, and he leads them to a win. And now they're in first place in the NFC East at two and three. You know, so <laughs> so uh, let's think back to the signing of Dalton. What do you think of it? And uh, what do you think about the team going forward with him? Still a ton of weapons. Zeke. Cooper, C.D. Lamb is a freaking superstar. He's that kid. He's he's unbelievable. He's gonna be great. Gallus making plays all over the field. Still all this talent on the Dallas offense, right? So no reason to believe they can't keep playing good offense, scoring points. Yeah, now you have it exactly right. The Cowboys offense is absolutely loaded at the skill positions. The issue is that the Cowboys are not loaded at the offensive line positions anymore. And that is going to play a major factor in how this team does going forward. They lost Earlier in the season, they haven't had all season right tackle Lyle Collins, who I think had emerged as the better of the two tackles. And that's crazy to say with Teron Smith on a Hall of Fame trajectory based on, you know, seven Pro Bowls early in his early in his career. But Lyle Collins actually had a better 2019 season. He is incredible as a right tackle. He's hasn't played a snap this year and he's now on IR, the long term IR. He's done. Teron Smith neck injury. He's played two games and he's done for the year now having surgery the issues that they've had on the interior they lost travis frederick in the offseason to retirement joe looney the starting center was not very good he's now gone for a couple weeks so they have a rookie fourth round pick tyler biotish who's now starting at center connor williams isn't very good the really only thing that they have that they can hang their hat on is the play of zach martin the perennial all pro at right guard so the offensive line issues kind of trump anything that the Cowboys have because Dak Prescott is capable of manipulating the line and his maneuverability, which it breaks my heart that he was hurt on a run, you know, because that whole narrative comes back over and then quarterbacks don't last and all of that kind of garbage that people like to spew. But he is able to play well when the pocket breaks down. We'll have to see what Andy Dalton looks like in that regard. But as you mentioned, they have so many weapons that if he's capable 
of getting the ball out quickly and keeping a, a solid, you know, calm demeanor in the pocket, the Cowboys offense can still thrive. It is a ridiculously good offense. And Ezekiel Elliott is still on pace for his thousand yard season. Once again, in the only two wins that the Cowboys ha- have had on the year, when they were down double digits and big and looking completely lost on offense, it was an Ezekiel Elliott drive that calmed them down and put them on the right foot. For all of those running backs, don't matter people. The only reason the Cowboys have two wins on the season is because they leaned on Elliott when the stuff was hitting the fan. Against Atlanta, they gave the ball to him on eight of 11 uh, snaps on the drive that kind of calmed them down. Not even kind of. That literally calmed them down and got them back going. And in this game against the Giants, when they were down 17-3, to they gave the ball to Elliott nine times out of the 13 snaps, and he scored the touchdown that calmed them down and started the comeback. He is essential to what they are going to do now that Andy Dalton is under center. I believe that the drop-off from Dak to Dalton can be mitigated if the Cowboys run the ball early more and force teams to dedicate resources to stopping the run. From that point forward, the three-headed monster at wide receiver is unmatched. There is not a team in the league that can boast what the Cowboys have. CeeDee Lamb is on pace. Now, these paces aren't going to keep up without Dak Prescott. But CeeDee Lamb was on pace for 93 catches, 1,385 yards. Omari Cooper was on pace for over 1,300 yards, 125 catches. Michael Gallup is on pace only for 54 catches on the year, but 1,100 yards because he's averaging over 20 yards of reception. And you saw that Gallup is going to be able to continue that because all Andy Dalton has to do is what he did with A.J. Green, just throw it up there and let the guy go <laughs> get it. That was in the entire career. Yep, throw it so, up there, baby. Just tuck it. Yeah, pretty much. And, and Michael Gallup can come down with that. Amari Cooper is such a great route runner that he's going to be able to get open. And C.D. Lamb is the alpha and the omega. He is simply going to be that guy. It's very rare. Like, you know, we've, we've had Des Bryant and we've had Michael Irvin as far as in my lifetime as a Cowboys fan. And I've seen these guys, you know, from the beginning of their career, I was much younger when Michael Irvin broke into the league that my recollection of how good he was early is not there. But I remember the hype about what Des Bryant was when he came into the league and how just a physical marvel he was. He was an aggressive player. You know, he just everything he did was so aggressive and so bulldog. You know, he, he was just that guy. CeeDee Lamb is different. He's like a he's like a greyhound out there, and he is just so majestic to watch him play the position. And he showed his toughness in this game. He got absolutely demolished on multiple catches, got up and talked trash. Like he, this this dude is that one. He's fine. So himself. they yep. have the yeah, yep. they, they they have the weapons for them to be able to sustain with Andy Dalton. The whole thing will be how he negotiates the status of the offensive line moving forward for the season. If he can do that, then the Cowboys offense will be able to maintain at some level of what they're already producing, and that's top of the league. Uh, real quick, what do you think about this matchup with the Cardinals? Of you know, the Cowboys maybe not so surprising Monday Night Football underdogs by two and a half. Uh, so, what do you think about this matchup? If I got sleep, I'd probably wake up with cold sweats <laughs> about what Colin Murray can do to this defense. If I if I got an ounce of sleep in my life, He's fun to watch. I would seriously be having nightmares. He is so good. He is so good. And the deficiency the Cowboys have of stopping the run, you know, a lot of people try to say that the Cowboys defense at least improved in this game against the Giants. They sacked uh, Daniel Jones. They, you know, strip sacked him. They had the force, force of turnovers. They got pressure, relentless pressure. But – if you look at the Giants' performance over the course of the season, the Giants basically came out and said yesterday through their media outlets 
that they recorded 14 hurries on Daniel Jones for all the great work that the Cowboys did. That was the least amount of hurries that Daniel Jones has faced the entire season. So everything's not fixed for the Cowboys <laughs> and how they're going to be able to stop Kyler Murray. I, I'm very worried. Uh, we're not getting what we want to see out of Everson Griffin. Tank Lawrence finally got his first sack. Alden Smith got another sack. He's really the the savior right now of the Cowboys pass rush. But the key is going to be on not just rushing the passer, but also maintaining uh, containment on Kyler Murray so that he doesn't escape and make you look foolish. He is, we've never really seen anybody like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray just reminds me so much of what Russell Wilson is. It's it's pretty scary to think that they're in the same division and they're going to be battling for the next, you know, several years until Wilson retires. But Murray is an animal. Uh, they did lose Chandler Jones. So I'm a little less worried about what's going to happen with Andy Dalton without, you know, one of the premier sack artists of the game playing. He, he's done with his, uh, I believe it was a bicep injury that he had. So that makes it a little bit less of an obstacle trying to do something against the Arizona defense. Uh, but it, it's going to be a challenge. They're a good team. They're a good up and coming team. And the Cliff Kingsbury's offense is pretty much going to embarrass the heck out of Mike Nolan. And uh, we're just going to see if we can keep up scoring points with them. Yeah, no, no one quite looks like a video game like Kyler Murray when he runs. He just looks like he's doing things that aren't human when he runs his jukes yes, and the way he moves. Yes. It's unbelievable. And I, I think with this line, two and a half, I think this is one where save your units for something else. Don't put any units on this yes. one. I think you got to see what it looks like. You got to see what it looks like with Andy Dalton for a full week of practice. As you mentioned, everybody, the, the Cowboys IR list is ridiculous. They you know lost more guys other than Dak, as you as you mentioned earlier. And I just feel like we got to see it first. We got to see it what it looks like with Dalton for a full four quarters before we start. Uh, you know, back in the Cowboys here as underdogs at home. So I, I wouldn't touch this game. Yeah, not not just that. The fact that the Cardinals are going to be playing on Monday Night Football, and you know that's not something that they're used to. The Cowboys live in prime time, but the the excitement of not just being on Monday Night Football, but being able to go into the Cowboys' house and the Cowboys have more fans in the games than anybody, and, and uh, you know that whole aspect. NFL players will tell you all the time they get more joy out of hearing the road crowd silenced than they do hearing the home crowd cheering. So all of those factors put into play, we are going to see. Probably the best effort from the Cardinals on Monday night. And uh, it's a scary proposition with, with Kyler Murray leading the way. And the Cowboys don't know how to stop DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't know how to stop him with Byron Jones. How are they going to stop him without him? So it's, it's a very scary prospect, uh, the Cardinals offense coming into that stadium. Hey, man, appreciate the insight, Katie. Have a great week, all right? All right, Ryan. You take care, brother. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.